Hey everybody, welcome to That Will Never Work. My guest this week is Alex Kaufman, the co-founder of Surgery TV, based out of Brisbane, Australia. He knows he has a solution that surgeons like him all over the world need. An easy way to create, upload, and archive surgery videos with only a few clicks of your phone. It's something that has value in everything, from medical education to dealing with legal claims. But he needs to form partnerships with medical device companies in order for his app to be successful. It's such a clear solve to a problem, so why is he getting so much pushback? Well, let's jump into the episode and I'll see if I can take a scalpel to his problem. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. Hey, Alex, welcome to uh, That Will Never Work. I've got to say, it is not often I get to give advice to a brain surgeon. So it's with uh, equal parts excitement and some trepidation that I, uh, I welcome you to the show. And I think the best way usually to start is to why don't you take a minute and kind of fill us in on what is the problem you're solving? What are you doing about it? And then we can gracefully segue into what I might be able to do to help you. Yeah, thank you, Mark. First, it's a real thrill to be in your podcast and it was a real thrill to read your book too. And just quickly, I loved that theme of iteration that went through that book and uh, it's a big reason I'm here today. And just briefly, this is more nerve-wracking than doing my surgery exam. So don't worry, we're on an even <laughs> it's, it's a level playing field here. <laughs> um, but look, uh, I'm a neurosurgeon in Brisbane, which is about a thousand kilometers north of Sydney, for those who don't know. But Surgery TV at its technological core is essentially an online service. It's cloud-based and it's driven by a smartphone application. But at its philosophical core, it's all about video. And it's all about the surgeon walking away from an operation with a copy of the video without having to think about getting a copy of the video. And the main objective is to build a comprehensive archive for the surgeon. So all their work week in, week out. And we think that's the key because once they have the archive, then they have the key to unlock the true value of that video. And the problem at the moment is that surgeons don't have that archive. Lots of videos generated week in, week out in hundreds of hours, precious data that's just lost to the ether. And we have identified two factors that explain this failure. Firstly, there's a broad spread of devices, new and old. So microscopes, endoscopes, uh, new technology, old technology, and there are multiple brands. So week in, week out, the surgeon needs multiple solutions to consistently record video. And the second factor is the surgeon's psychology, and this is really critical. And the best way for me to describe it is to say that every day is the Super Bowl, basically, in terms of where their focus is and where their focus is not. So they have a very low tolerance for anything else directly outside just doing the operation itself. But at Surgery TV, we spent the last 12 months trying to solve this problem by addressing those two factors. So we're looking to make the application compatible across all devices, new and old, and across all brands. I'm going to stop you here because you're going to jump into a level of detail that I think I'm going to be confused about and more importantly, listeners will. So hold that thought because I want to kind of make sure I have this foundation of what's going on here. So 
the benefit of this, of, of what you're really trying to solve is that there's a value to surgeons after they've done a surgery or a day, week, month later, being able to go back and watch it again. Is that it's a one-to-one, it's not like I want other people to watch the surgery I did, but I want to go back and watch it. Is that what you mean? No, Mark, it's both. In fact, there are five big ticket items of why it's valuable, but a big part of it is a surgeon watching it. Um, but the, a very big part of it is being able to show other people, being able to show the patient a highlight, uh, the show, a showreel highlight, and showing other surgeons in an educational capacity. It has insurance and litigation applications, uh, surgical documentation. So it's very much not only for the individual, um, but for everyone else around the surgeon. So there's all kinds of great reasons to want to have a video copy of all of your surgery. Uh, and um, the equipment, I mean, you were going to rattling off this wide range of, sur- of, sur- of the equipment that people use to watch what they're doing during surgery. Are those not equipped to record or they are equipped to record? Yeah, Mark, they are equipped to record. So they have a HDMD inbuilt. Uh, for recording video, but for the most part, it's a plug-in with a USB. <laughs> We're talking about, you know, blockchain in this time and age, and here surgeons are talking about a friggin' <laughs> USB stick, and that's part of the problem. But the newer ones have streaming protocols, so RTSP. Uh, so depending on what uh, age technology, like, for example, in my theatre, there are three microscopes. Two of them are old and use a USB, and the new one has RTSP. Um, and that's 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 ubiquitous. And RTSP streams, and so for that for the new equipment, it's easy to uh, to record what you're doing, or still tricky. It's still tricky because uh, the the manufacturer has their own app to stream, but it's just so that a surgeon can watch the operation in another room, which is kind of a pointless utility, ah. really. Um, it doesn't record. So we're tapping into that RTSP so it actually records directly to the smartphone. And then if you've got multiple brands, you need multiple apps. All right. So the challenge here is that you as a surgeon recognize how valuable it is to have video of the surgery done. But it seems like at least the industry doesn't quite get it. It seems like a fairly... uh, obvious thing. I mean, you use the analogy of the of the Super Bowl, um, you know, certainly American football. Uh, but believe me, in American football, watching the game tapes, it is filmed from 75,000 different angles. And they spend hours afterwards going over every single play in detail. They study what the other team has done. I mean, watching game film is a key piece of it. So it's kind of surprising that watching game film isn't uh, a normal course of business for uh, for you. Well, surgeons recognize... Not for you, for you, you as a category of people. Yeah, well, surgeons recognize the value in the video, Mark. We, we all know that there is good value in the video. It's just so damn hard to record it and to store it and then to edit it and then to utilize it. That's the problem. It's that whole process is such a clunky analog process. And we're trying to streamline and even automate that process as I said at the start, so they can walk away from the operation with a copy of the video without having to think about it. Or not even, yeah, not even walking away with it, but just know that when they come back uh, two weeks later, they can just pull it all up and, uh, exactly. and find it all and see it all. Yeah, exactly. So uh, now, what are the problems you're bumping into in making this happen? 
So it's all about uh, limited access for us. Uh, the hospital and the manufacturer is limiting our access to these devices to develop the app. And it's that classic small dog versus big dog problem. At the moment, we develop it on my operating days and I bring my co-founder into the theatre and we work on the app while I'm operating. But we need access every day, all day. The problem is that I need them, but they don't need us. Um, and I need to work out some way of having some leverage or being able to bring value to the table for them so that they'd be happy to work with us so that we can speed up this development process. You had it at, in your book. It was fabulous. You talked about this. It was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was about, uh, you're, you're referring to the part where, Meek, I was trying to convince all of the uh, DVD manufacturers, yes. the, the Toshibas, the Panasonics, the Sonys, that they should take a part of their business, which was extremely conservative, which was what went into the box, which had to be decided six months in advance and was going to be in there for years afterwards and make that commitment for a company which had barely started, which was doing some ridiculous idea that no one thought would ever work and which for all they knew was going to be gone in two weeks. That's what you're talking about, exactly about convincing people to do fantastic it. Fantastic story, by the way. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And for those of you who want to read it at home, it's available on paperback. It's a non-negotiable read, by the way, Mark. Anyone who's listening who hasn't read that, is a, that is a non-negotiable read. It's a fabulous read. Uh, uh, thank you, Alex. I appreciate the uh, the plug. Um, and if you need brain surgery, by the way, Alex Kaufman, he is your guy. He's in Brisbane. He, he does great work. <laughs> With one, you know, one hand, one, one hand uh, washes the other here, Alex. Now, the, the, the challenge is you've actually put your finger on exactly the right way. When you have a startup, you need people to help you. That is, um, it's almost impossible to do it on your own. And you are absolutely right. It, you have to appeal to their self-interest. You can't convince someone to do something for you. Uh, with my, in our case, when I was trying to convince the Sonys and the Toshibas and Panasonics, it was still brutal, but we were pitching them something that was in their direct self-interest because they had the exact opposite problem that we did. We had this problem that said, we're trying to do a DVD rental company, but why would someone want to rent DVDs when no one has DVD players? Their problem was the opposite, which is why is anyone going to buy a DVD player when there's nowhere to rent movies? And so this was really a perfect example of us being able to help them by saying, we'll make it so that if someone buys a player in the box, is a resource where they can have access to every single DVD available at the time. Hmm. And coming up with that position was the key to unlocking it. It was hard enough getting them to do it, but that was only possible because we'd uncovered something that we knew was in their self-interest and I could appeal to their self-interest. And that is going to be how you're going to have to think about it. Well, I have, I have some thoughts about other ways to do it, but clearly it's going in that direction. And don't forget, you do not necessarily need to have the self-interest be head-on. In other words, you don't need to try and convince them, just think how good this is going to be for doctors. Just think about all the uses for litigation. They don't, as you're finding out, they don't give a crap about that. Um, what's their self-interest? Well, their self-interest is, and you probably know this already, is how do I sell more of my microscope 
to the new theaters being built versus my competitors' theaters. So exactly. one thing is to absolutely say, how can I convince them that this it, one manufacturer, start with one, that if they begin doing this, it will help them sell against the others. What can you do to support that? Because that does appeal to them. You can also say, let's enlist some of the salespeople who are probably sniffing around uh, the operating theater all day long anyway, trying to sell you all kinds of additional bells and whistles and the latest. So what can you do to convince them that you can help them with their sale and here's what you can do to help me help you. And obviously, I haven't the slightest idea what those angles are. Despite what they say about, we are here first and foremost to help people have healthier outcomes. Well, yes. But believe me, quarter to quarter, we are here first and foremost to try and sell more uh, microscopes and more cameras than my competitor is trying to sell. And so any way you can tap into that. Um, another one is you can have a much more naked self-interest, which is if one of them is an investor in you. Um, and whereas now they're incented to help you because in the event you're successful, it, it brings them economic success. So there might be a way to tie um, that together. Uh, another possibility is to enlist uh, people who are senior enough to be your advisors in some manner, where they become incented now to help you because it kind of they now are in the inside understanding it. I mean, I'm just riffing on possible things, but fundamentally, you're not going to make any progress unless you somehow manage to tap into not how do I convince them to do something different? Because you're right, you're going to have to have hundreds of thousands of users clamoring before they realize this is a market. You have to figure out in advance, what can I give them that will help them do what they already are doing and what they want to do more of? Um, and it may not be sell, but if it's not, you've got to figure out what it is they're trying to do and how you can sit into that value chain. There's almost no other way. What about getting a, a heavy hitter on side like the College of Surgeons or an indemnity insurance agency who would agree to insurance we like because we think that with, uh, with an archive, they potentially can cut their legal costs. That is interesting for them. And if they could agree to a six-month trial uh, to see if that actually happens, it's almost using coercion, I suppose, on the manufacturers. The surgeons have got to use this in their device at work. Is that, is that a tax that is worth looking into or is that a no-no? No, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly, it is an angle, but let's talk for a second about how to use that angle. Uh, and one is to say, this is a mechanism to help you avoid a lawsuit. But again, then, you know, it's the difference between, um, what's the analogy here? aspirin and vitamins um, that you would much rather be selling uh, aspirin that that's kind of an old 1950s analogy you'd much rather be selling a analgesic than you would be selling a supplement 
uh, because supplements are kind of nice to have. Analgesics are need to have. You've, my head hurts. Yeah. I need this. I'll pay anything right now. Whereas supplements, oh, that's kind of nice. And that's a good analogy. I like that's that. but if you say, <laughs> thank you. You can use that one. <laughs> what I'm saying is that appealing to litigation risk is appealing to a part of their organization which has very little sway. It's important, but it's not exist it's not this thing they think about all the time. They just as soon have it not be there. Appealing to the sales end of it is the lifeblood. Yeah. The, those those people that the, their head of sales is probably the highest paid person in the company. Probably if not more than the CEO close to it. Um and they think all the time their ROI and anything they can do to get a 1% boost in sales is huge. Yeah, copy that. Way better than the cost of uh, lowering our litigation risk by 5%. First of all, it's, a, it's a, an odds thing. And it's an odds thing where the, denominator, where the uh, denominator is still not something that's top of mind. I'm not, it may work, but take the same thing. The thing to do is to say that if they if convince their sales side that if in fact their cameras are um, enabled for this service, it benefits the doctors, it benefits the hospital. But I'm trying to say tie it into the sales function. Yeah, that if that. you were able to do this deal where basically their insurance company goes, oh my gosh, we'll definitely lower um, the premium for a hospital which is using this system rather than one which isn't. Then all of a sudden, uh, there's a huge incentive for all of the manufacturers to meet that standard because now the hospital is saying, you want to sell to us we're trying to save money on our insurance coverage and they'll give us a 5% discount if we're able to record all of our surgeries. And as soon as you provide equipment that can do that, um, we're going to lean favorably toward that. Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you see what the difference between uh, how I'm positioning the exact same thing? Yeah, absolutely. I do. At the ground level market, at the cold face, when you were talking to Toshiba, um, uh, What's, what sort of practical things did you learn from that experience in terms of trying to make that negotiation work? You've talked about the, philosophically how it works, but what about sort of at the cold face when you're sitting there having that conversation? The most important thing is I had to find a champion. I had to figure out who was the person who was going to fight my battle for me because there is no way I could have done it myself because when you're trying to introduce something different to an organization, especially uh, a company whose roots were either in Japan or Korea. Um, there was a, it, it was, it, <laughs> there you go. Here's Mark with, with his quasi-medical. Um, it was like having a, a white blood cell reaction. As soon as you introduce this foreign body who's saying, let's put in this coupon, White blood cells are swarming from every place trying to kill this uh, foreign body. Another great analogy. And unless mate. you've got... <laughs> I like it. I love it. It's true, <laughs> it's though. <good. laughs> everyone, hate, yeah. everyone hates yeah. it. It's like, 
you know, the person who is in the logistics, oh, I hate this. The person who is managing the bill material, hate yeah. this. The person who has to worry about the full cost of the product, hates this. Everyone hates it. And unless there's someone on the inside fighting that battle, it never happens. So number rule number one is I had to find this champion. Um, and part of that came from, again, this really smart leveraging of who would be willing to do that. Now, we're getting kind of geeky into this, which is kind of fun. But um, there was the big, the big dog in consumer electronics back then was Sony. I mean, Sony was the big dog. Now, the perennial runner-up was Toshiba. The one who was desperately trying to overtake Sony was Toshiba. So which of those two do you think would be more likely to take a risk on an unproven little startup? Yeah, well, I mean, you even spoke to Sony and it didn't work. You went to Toshiba and, and you basically scratched an itch for them. I started, uh, yeah, I started with Toshiba because uh, I knew that they, it, was, it meant more to them than it meant more to Sony. That Sony could not take the risks and win that Toshiba had to take some risks and win. I realized, what is the position? Who's the person who's going to do this? And it was the person who was running the DVD division, who in that division, in that huge company, which Toshiba itself is a huge company, had a chip on their shoulder to demonstrate that they could make this technology work when 99% of the revenue came from VCRs or televisions, not from this ridiculous new plastic disc thing. And I found this person who was really incented, who was personally driven, who could care less about me or about Netflix, but saw this as a possible way to prove they could do it within Toshiba and to possibly move Toshiba ahead of Sony if they could. And I knew what that position had to be. And I had a person, I, had, I found a jungle guide, as I, I call them, which is the person to help me find that person who can help me navigate the bureaucracy to find the person who's going to do it. And then I met that person, this guy named Steve Nickerson. And I began to know everything I could about Steve. And I knew who the people he worked with was. I knew who his assistant was. Uh, I mean, I was uh, all over it. I mean, I, I <laughs> use the expression that, you know, I, basically camped out in a parking lot in suburban New Jersey, it was not that far from the truth. I spent countless hours sitting, waiting, talking, going to lunch, sending people things. That's why you're one of the best entrepreneurs on the planet. Yeah, finding the champion. Yeah. That's, that was the key. Yeah. And, and recognizing what their self-interest was and then finding that champion who was willing to fight for it which meant finding the right company and do it. And all it took was one. Because once one of them began recording my surgical videos, all of a sudden they were, you, they, believe me, they were delighted to when they went in a head-to-head, -head, when Zeiss went head-to-head -head with whoever, you know, that to say, listen, on the specs, they're similar, but one other thing we do is we work this and it lowers, I mean, they're, they're making your pitch for you. Yeah. Not because they give a damn about Alex or about uh, surgery TV, but because it helps them against their competitors. You found their self-interest. Yeah. 
And I, I'm, I'm using a straw man. It may not be helping to sell. I'm, my gut is that if you can tap that one, um, that's for any company is the, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the power yeah. right there. If you can be in there helping them avoid pain, uh, help, you know, is helping them avoid a problem is one thing. Helping them sell more, sign me up. I'll listen to you all day long. The other thing is exploring, accepting it's not going to happen until you have 100,000 users, like you said. Uh, and then saying, all right, what's my workaround? My long-term vision is certainly that it's mindless. What do I do in the meantime to get critical mass? Uh, is it as simple? Uh, again, now, please, purely for example here, this is not real. You go, okay, I deliver, uh, I, I build a cute little box that holds five USB sticks and they're self-addressed and you just uh, pull, it, pull it out of the machine, drop it in the envelope and at the end of the day, you drop the whole thing in the post office box and our team extracts them, archives them, sends you a fresh box back. And, you know, I don't know, something that, to say, I, I'm never going to get it so these machines in the short term do this for me. So I'll build the workaround. Is it repeatable and scalable? No. But it gets all the surgeons in this habit of building this repository, of counting on it. And then what that does is the surgeons are going, I want to look at this. I want to show this to my patients now. Well, it takes 48 hours for the trip. And they begin to become your advocates too. But you know that part of it. But I'm just saying, figure out some way to, don't let the fact that you can't crack the manufacturers stop you from pursuing your vision. Um, figure out some other way to get there. And if it means doing some weird workaround. Uh, That's really interesting. Tough. That is a really interesting perspective. It's almost like surgery TV meeting Netflix, <laughs> putting it in a box, sending it off, shipping it back. <laughs> yeah, you know, listen, if all you've got is a, uh, is a hammer, everything looks like a nail to me. So can I do it in a box? But, uh, but <laughs> I, I'm using it as an example of think outside the box here. Go, what could I do to get there using some manual hacky workaround way to get to the point where I begin to convince people what you, what you really want to do is not be this lone voice in the wilderness going, just think how amazing yeah. it would be when everyone, yeah. no, get a, get a thousand surgeons saying that. And like you said, then you'll have the leverage, but rather than hoping and wishing, uh, if you can't crack the manufacturer problem with the techniques that I was just talking about, fine, accept that. And, say, okay, now how am I going to pivot my business somewhat to make it work? Well, them. we'll make it work without them uh, and do that. And then eventually it, it will come around because you're coming at it from the other direction. Yeah. It's, it's a great, it's a great, uh, I mean, I, listen, I, I don't know the field, but it sounds pretty powerful. All right. But you're in the situation where the main people you need to participate could care less. And so your job is to get them to care. Um, and it's either self-interest or it's self-interest no matter what. And if you can't figure out how to make it a sales self-interest, then make it so that we're doing it because uh, we know that surgeons all have a say in what equipment 
their hospital buys and what equipment their clinic buys. And uh, if you have enough of them saying, wow, the recommendation just went out from Alex that we should all now be buying this piece of equipment because this one's enabled for the service and we love the service. We're doing it already. Then you've got, you got something. Yeah, that's really fan. That's a fantastic perspective, Mark. I'm really grateful for that. And that's uh, actually uh, very relevant advice. You, you're talking about the, uh, about theatre and uh, the medical field, like you've been living in it for 20 years. So either you've done your research or you've just got a brilliant <laughs> brain, probably both. <laughs> Well, you know, my, you know, my, my uncle Siggy, you know, he, he, he said, oh, listen, Mark, this, uh, one of these days they're going to be doing these big uh, brain surgeries and there's going to, you know, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a, you know, I read a lot. So, all right. As they say, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I do play one on TV. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Like, learn a few things. Um, brilliant. Well, cool. Well, brilliant. cool, Alex. I think, uh, I think you hope, hope you're onto something, uh, and uh, as they say, don't quit your day job yet, <laughs> but keep at it. Yeah, look, Mike, I'm really grateful for your time, mate. It's an absolute thrill to be here, and that's just so helpful. It's just great to have access to, to someone like yourself, mate. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Well, you don't need to be a brain surgeon to recognize that some industries just don't want to be disrupted. But that doesn't mean you should step back from the fight. But if you want to learn more about some of the topics we covered on today's podcast... I encourage you to read my book. It's called That Will Never Work, The Birth of Netflix and the Amazing Life of an Idea. And if you've got a question you have and you want to be a guest on the show, it's easy to apply. Just come to markrandolph.com forward slash guest. If you liked what you heard today, take a minute to subscribe so you don't miss a single weekly episode. And while you're there, add yourself to my mailing list so you're up to date on all my news and entrepreneurial tips. And finally, if a 30-minute podcast is just too much, I share all my hints and tips in more easily digestible nuggets on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and yes, even TikTok. You'll find links to all this stuff, plus my blogs and other writing on markrandolph.com. Check it out. Thanks again for listening and see you all next week. group.